This is the John Oakley Show podcast. A great day for talk radio, and uh, there's still much to be addressed here earlier uh, today. We were talking about some things that uh, I'll rekindle in this hour. Needless to say, the SNC-Lavalin thing is uh, continuing to fester and even gets uh, more and more uh, intriguing in terms of the skullduggery and the level or depth to which this thing uh, may be headed. As we were saying with our panel last hour, if uh, or at least this was the opinion of some of the panelists, if the Liberals had just, you know, responded appropriately initially, they could have wrapped this thing up tidily, been home and cooled out, and uh, nobody would have been the wiser. Now it seems like stripping away layer after layer or pulling at threads, the tapestry is unraveling, and this thing might have further reaching implications, you know, Saudi connections, and uh, I love that kind of intrigue. You know, it's uh, building on itself, this narrative. And so uh, as far as scandals go, this could be a real juicy one. I foresee that. And then when you've got the chief civil servant in the country earlier today testifying before uh, the Justice Committee and saying the heated rhetoric has gotten to such a point, he's predicting (laughs) some kind of a political assassination at some point this year. Give a listen. I worry about the rising tide of incitements to violence when people use terms like treason and traitor in open discourse, those are the words that lead to assassination. I'm worried that somebody's going to be shot in this country this year during the political campaign. Oh, there you go, Michael Wedrick. This he, is the top civil servant. He was very specific, someone being shot. I, well, he's like the poor man's Gene Dixon, who predicted Kennedy's assassination and dined out on that for the rest of her career. This guy ought to have one of those flashing signs on Lawrence Avenue, psychic, psychic. You know, when you go in, you pay your 65 bucks. Tells you all about your future and uh, love life and things like that. That's how good he is. He's uh, right that specific, so I find that to be a curiosity. He's up there in Ottawa reading some palms right now. (laughs) Yes, he is uh, reading some greasy palms. Well, listen, closer to home here at the legislature, there have been uh, things that have been, I guess, couched as somewhat uh, of a scandal or scandalous. A crisis, I guess, is what it's been called. Autistic parents, or parents of autistic children, rather, were in the gallery yesterday, some weeping openly as the... uh, issue of funding for kids with autism was debated. As we know, Lisa McLeod, the minister in charge, uh, took over the file 15 years where the liberals uh, had kids and their families wondering what they were going to do for treatment, some aging out after five for intensive therapy. It's a file I'd like to uh, really learn more about. I'm hoping you're along for the ride. Joining me on the line right now to help in that regard is Dr. Kendra Thompson, who's the president-elect of the ONTABA, which is the Ontario Association for Behavioral Analysis. Dr. Thompson, it's good to have you on the Oakley Show. Hi there. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, all right. Uh, Are we talking about a crisis here uh, when it comes to uh, families with children who are autistic in the province? Yes, I think if you saw any of the coverage uh, from the the legislature yesterday, you'll see that many families are in crisis. In what sense? Well, their children are being removed from intensive programming that has helped them to become more independent um, and living up to their fullest potential that's now being dismantled. Well, all right. When I said in my preamble, uh, under the Liberals, their uh, plan also was met with all kinds of uh, rancor. And uh, I I understand back a couple of years ago, only 200 or so uh, parents congregated at Queen's Park on the lawn and uh, demanding that the Liberals reinstate funding because the intensive therapy kids would age out at five. That's right. Yeah, there there were definite issues to to that plan as well. Um, But what's 
very important here is that was a program that was an evidence-based intensive behavioral intervention program that was based on research that employed uh, people that had the relevant expertise to deliver the services. The current model is a funding model in which everyone on the spectrum gets equalized amounts of funding with arbitrary caps based on age and based on household income. All right, so you're saying it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. That's right. So we know that autism is a spectrum. So there's children on the spectrum that have very intense needs, and there are children on the spectrum that might have very minimal needs. So applying a one-size-fits-all approach to a diagnosis that has a lot of variability is, in our opinion, very short-sighted and dangerous for uh, the children that do require evidence-based treatment. And so when the government says, this is Minister McLeod, uh, that they've helped to alleviate 23,000 kids on a wait list, uh, it's a little more complicated than that. That's right. So there are wait lists for many different things. There's wait lists for diagnoses. There's wait lists for um, intensive intervention in both uh, the private sector and what previously would would have been the public delivered services. Um, and we question what that twenty three thousand uh, wait list is. Okay. Uh, well, you know, but. The other issue has to do with the funding model, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. where the talk is, and you know, I guess this gets to the one size fits all, uh, that families with kids, uh, autistic kids, would qualify on a sliding scale depending on uh, the family income, and anybody making 55000 or less would qualify for the maximum of 140000 and then, of course, it slides, as they said. Uh, Mm -hmm. you don't find that to be appropriate even though it looks like there's going to be more funding in play? Because I was pointing out earlier, when kids would age out under the Liberal plan after five, families were left holding the bag and they gave them $8,000, which wouldn't even cover two months of treatment, the intensive therapy necessary. Am I not correct? Right. So under the sliding scale, there are very few people that will fall into the appropriate kind of category to access the maximum amount of funds. And for children that require up to 30 to 40 hours a week of service, they the, those funds won't come close to being able to address that. So families are going to be put in very difficult financial situations. Uh, we've heard of stories where um, families are considering getting divorced um, to uh, lower their household income. Uh, we've heard of grandmothers selling their homes in order to pay for uh, their grandchildren's therapy. All right. Well, uh, this is where it gets, uh, you know, I guess let's cut right to the chase because uh, I'm not as familiar with this file, obviously, as you are. And uh, again, Dr. Kendra Thompson's with us, president-elect for the Ontario Association for Behavior Analysis. Doug Ford said, uh, and it's a direct quote, he'll listen to the families and their stories. Uh, This is the toughest file he's had to work on. So if we take him at his word as an article of faith, he he really does care and wants to get it right. If he sought your counsel and said, Kendra, what is necessary to make this uh, as good, as perfect as we can make it? Would it take money? Uh, Tell me how you would write the script. So ONTABA as an organization really uh, does 
believe in meaningful collaboration with experts in the field. And what is needed is a fiscal a fiscally responsible use of funds. So any type of treatment, whether it be medical or psychological, is based on individual need. It's based on clinical assessment. So applying a one-size-fits-all model to a very heterogeneous group is just um, not going to cut it. It's not going to give families what they need. It's Already, as we've seen, putting families in crisis, uh, we've heard from parents that are on the wait list that say, we'd rather wait because we know what we're waiting for. We're waiting for something that's evidence-based. We're waiting for a treatment program. We've heard things uh, being said that, you know, families will have choice, and we agree that choice is very important for families, but if they're being provided choice of, um, you know, things like respite or technological aids, for one, technological aids should not be um, just sort of uh, used willy-nilly. They should be used under the supervision of of, of a professional that can help the individual to use that aid effectively to communicate, for example. And respite is very important, but it's not an evidence-based intervention for ASD. Okay, uh, and so uh, that takes me part of the way to an answer, but uh, is it about expanding the whole uh, operational basis? I mean, do we need more behavioral analysis uh, or analysts, uh, people, you know, the intensive therapy uh, experts in this regard? Is it a matter of resources, pouring more money into it? What would be an adequate amount? So we haven't heard anything about what the government is planning to do in terms of building capacity. So if we are um, hearing that the wait list will be cleared, our question is, what now will families do? Where will they access the appropriate services? Um, the The province has built great capacity over the, twi- uh, over the past 20 years, uh, but we do know that there still isn't the capacity to address uh, the needs that exist in the community. Okay, uh, and so if we're going to expand the capacity, that comes with, I'm guessing, a dollar figure. Uh, is there any way you could blue sky it for me so we know what we need to spend in addition to what's already been promised here? Because I think the file is in the hundreds of millions of dollars, is it not? I believe it is. I, I won't comment on the, the fiscal uh, nature of the file just because well, I don't the, the have that plan, I, I think the Liberal plan said $333 million that they had earmarked for it. But if we go with that, uh, roughly speaking, do we need to expand that? I think any investment in our children's future is very important. Um, children are going to now enter the school system uh, where we know that uh, there aren't adequate supports for children with um, specific needs. We've heard that from, from teachers and educational assistants. So any in- investment in, in the future will help to prevent you know, other systems um, being um, uh, accessed in these children's later years. Um, so we know that, that the investment up front is going to pay off later. Uh, the Senate report in 2007, uh, the, the title was Pay Now or Pay Later. So if you're asking about you know, more funding, then that can never be a bad thing. But I think the issue right now is what is the most fiscally responsible use of the funding that there is? Well, do you think the government's dropping the ball as well when it comes to these children having to go into the school system now? Uh, You're suggesting there's going to be an influx of children with autism. Are schools prepared for that? Well, what we've heard from educators is that no, they're not prepared. And we heard from a mother yesterday saying, you know, this 
will affect every child in the school system, not just children with autism. There will be children that have very, very serious needs. Some are not toilet trained, some may have self-injury, and that has to have a toll on the entire system. Finally, let me ask you, what happens when children with autism uh, grow into adults? And uh, Mm -hmm. is this even being addressed by anybody? We're not hearing much about what is available for people over 18 on the spectrum. In fact, we know that the resources are very scarce for adults. I've heard from a few adults myself um, saying, you know, there's nothing available to me. And we're not hearing anything about that in this policy. Yeah, it seems like it taxes a family's resources. I've heard personal accounts from friends, and uh, but that's, I guess, another elephant in the room, as it were. We're just discussing right now the uh, children with autism on the autism spectrum and what uh, the government's policies are. Uh, they want to get the file right, according to the Premier, and uh, he plans to listen to families and their stories. That was the quote, and uh, I would just wanted to reiterate that. So hopefully... Uh, If you're going to make an entreaty or petition the Premier, uh, certainly he'll lend you his ear. Dr. Thompson, I appreciate you coming on and explaining the situation to us. Thank you for having me. You got it. Dr. Kendra Thompson, President-elect for the ONTABA, the Ontario Association for Behavior Analysis. Okay, well, that's one thing where, uh, you know, I just get frustrated by this stuff because I I always dial back into how uh, there have been so many things that where money has been frittered away and when we can't find adequate funding for all the needs, let alone the wants, uh, you can sometimes dial it back to, well, there were 15 years where the Liberals mishandled a lot of files and put us in hawk to a serious tune of, what, $340 billion in debt? And uh, the third largest bite of, uh, budget item is having to service that debt? And then you just go, damn, a billion dollars a month. That would buy a whole lot of stuff and uh, maybe help to alleviate this crisis, as it's been deemed. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see how this one works and uh, plays out. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.